RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Aren't there two more guys to the Super Brain Power Wonder Team? Yeah. Yeah, the Neocortex Twins. Yeah. The Neocortex Twins. We're going to have to think this through. That's right. <laughs> Don't they always shout something? Yeah. What do they shout? Left, right, unite. Left, right, unite. Form, corpus, colossum. Who's the main bad guy? Who are they fighting all the time? We will destroy you. The evil prions. The evil prions? Yeah. This sounds great. This sounds like an awesome show. Yeah. Okay, in part one, we discovered that getting a virus to modify a brain to make a zombie is highly improbable. But let's assume it's possible for a moment. Could a zombie actually survive? Which brings us to part two. Part two, the body. The body is made of cells. In fact, every multicellular organism is made of cells because that's what multicellular means. Wait a minute. Go back. Your brain is made of cells. Your tongue, your bones, lungs, muscles, it's all cells. Which is why it's cells that allow us to do things like taste, move, sing, breathe, and think about stuff. I can't believe they left us alone. First and foremost, though, they need to be able to work. Oh, and you know mom and dad wouldn't leave us unless they had to. But they did. My dad, too. Guys, a million things could have happened. Forget about it. There's no use torturing ourselves trying to figure it out. I mean, look at us. A couple weeks ago, we never guessed that we'd be riding bikes like 300 miles along the coast trying to make it to some Air Force base that I'm seriously beginning to doubt exists. The least they could do is let us know that they were okay. They could have been here sooner, and we could have been they are okay. Them. And not worrying they about this. They could have found a way to get to us if they really wanted to. Or... You know what? Elliot, where are you going? Just trust me. Can we actually go in? Are you going in in your clothes? I give us all permission. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll keep a lookout. Uh, this <sighs> is amazing. Thank God I packed soap. You brought soap? Oh, uh, yeah. That feels good. Good idea, Elliot. Yeah. Point Elliot. Jumping into the ocean when you're really hot actually helps to keep your cells working. That's because your cells are made of proteins. And when it gets too hot, those proteins just don't work properly. And when that happens, you can't think properly. You can't eat. You can't move. And ultimately, you can die. So a Zinsky that is made of cells and walks and bites and has a partially working brain also has to keep its cells working, which means it's going to die if it overheats. The next thing your cells need to stay alive is oxygen. And how does oxygen get into your cells? blood, which means you need a working circulatory system with a working heart. But you also need to get oxygen into that blood, which means you need a working respiratory system with working lungs. And you know where this is going. All this means that unfortunately, you can't actually be dead. Come on, man! They always talk about they're the walking dead. The walking dead. Walking dead. Walking dead. Walking dead. Walking dead. How they're dead. We are the walking dead. You know, if in the scenario we're talking about here, they can't be dead. That's Greg Moran again, our infectious disease specialist from episode two. You're defying the laws of physics, and you can't really do that because dead tissue 
can't move and can't walk and can't bite other individuals. That takes energy. Those cells, to be able to move, have to be able to metabolize fuel, have to be able to create energy in order to move those muscles, in order to fire those nerve cells that would coordinate that muscle movement and all. Yep, I hate to break it to you, but biologically, you can't have the walking dead. Zombies have to be made of living tissue. What are we supposed to call them then? The good news is that this means that zombies are a lot less indestructible. Destroying the heart or the lungs will also kill a zombie. Also, it means that they can drown. We're going to look at some more things that zombies need to survive. But first, let's check in with the kids. Do you think I will ever have to eat oatmeal after this? Wait, what? They're always going on about heart-healthy oatmeal. My heart feels pretty healthy. Oh, guys, we're heading away from the coast again. No choice. That's the way the road goes. I don't like this. What's that? What? Is it a Krasinski? Where? No, no, up, up there. It, it looks like a... Like a launch hangar? Like a launch hangar at a freaking Air Force Base? Yes, exactly like that. Oh, oh my, my god! god. What's the first thing you think we're going to get to eat? Cheeseburger? Fries? Reuben's cream soda? Stop talking about food, please. It's just making us more hungry. You think it's more likely to have mushroom pineapple stop, pizza? Stop, stop. Oh, maybe Come a on. side of garlic knots and sauce? Elliot! Elliot! In episode seven, we talked about food. Food. And while you can live for a little bit without food, eventually you need to eat because that's where we get the energy that our bodies need to do things like move muscles and pump blood and fire neurons. But it also means they need a way to break down that food and to get the nutrients out of it, which means that they have to have a working digestive system. And having a working digestive system leads to something else. Ugh. Disgusting! Come on! <laughs> yes, pooping. And because zombies would be pooping but not wiping, they'd probably smell really bad because they're covered in poop. But we didn't mention that because Wendy vetoed the idea of a poopocalypse <laughs> back in episode two. And they fully stand by my position. Actually, we were thinking about hunger. Hunger. Yes, you need a working digestive system to process the food, but you also need the urge to eat. To create feelings like hunger, another system in the body needs to be working called the endocrine system. And that's like your body's chemical communication system. And it also includes part of the brain. So there's an area of the brain known as the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus communicates with the rest of the body through the blood system. So the hypothalamus sends these little chemicals into your bloodstream known as hormones and listens for other molecules or chemicals in the bloodstream that are also hormones. Let's go back to the idea of switches. The hypothalamus flips the hungry switch on, sending a signal to the body that it needs food. After you eat, the body sends hormones back to the hypothalamus saying, we're good, we're all good. And the hunger switch gets flipped to the off position. What we think might be going on is that zombies might still feel hunger. They might just never feel full. Sort of like Josh at a sushi buffet. Wendy's saying that because when I eat sushi, sometimes Always. I'm still hungry for more, even though I might be full. Speaking of which. It's like he's a zombie mm. with a broken hypothalamus mm. that's constantly sending out hungry signals. Your dragon rolls are awesome. So zombies need a working digestive system to process the food. They need a working endocrine system to feel the urge to eat. But now the question is, can they get enough to eat? to stay alive. Okay, now I feel a little sick. See? Because of their damaged brain, a zombie's food choices are limited. They can't go to a restaurant and order off the menu. Just pick something. They don't have turkey burgers, okay? You wanted to go for sushi, there's a sushi restaurant. They don't have turkey burgers. And just like humans, the longer they go without food, 
the less energy they have and the weaker they get. Which means the worse they are at catching humans to eat. So if there isn't a lot of food around, the best thing that can happen is for your body to slow itself down so you don't need as much. Your metabolism determines how fast you break down food and get energy from that food. So if you slow down your metabolism, you won't have to eat as much. Some animals can actually do this. It's called hibernating. When bears hibernate, their metabolism drops by about 75%. They basically take a nice long nap for about six months, during which time they don't need food or water, and they don't poop either. Their heart rate slows way down. They also breathe really slowly. And they snore. But what about zombies? The virus must be controlling their metabolism. What do you mean, doctor? Which means they're hibernating. Yes. Like bears. No. Here's the plan. We can't hibernate. When we run out of food, we just get weaker, we lose weight, and then eventually we just die. So Azinski also needs food. Because without food, it gets weaker and weaker, collapses. And unless it's able to feed, it just slowly dies of starvation. Burgers and pizza and sodas. Burgers and pizza and sodas. Burgers and pizza and sodas? Oh my! What is that? Whoa! Oh my god. god. Are those Zinskis or humans? That's a lot of of bodies. Of course. A field of Zinskis. So what would happen if a bunch of zombies collected in one area, ran out of food, and just collapsed? They must have tried to get into the base. I wonder how long they've been there. It looks like there's a fence keeping them out. Look! Some of them are moving. They look sick. You're saying that the Zinskis look sick? The ones that are moving are just stumbling and the rest look dead. Are we sure that they're dead? So what the kids are looking at right now is what happens when hundreds of zombies run out of food. They get weaker and they collapse, just like us. They could be hibernating. No, we just went over this. Here's what they're doing. They're between us and the entrance. So they need food to have energy to get more food. But they need something else, perhaps even more important. What about that thing we talked about in episode six? Bunnies? No, see if you can figure it out. I'm gonna play you a clip from episode six. Walrus? No, water. Your body needs water to spread nutrients around, and the brain needs fluid, and your muscles need fluid. And remember that we can only go for about three days without water. It's safe to say that without getting water from somewhere, a zombie would dry out in less than two weeks. The Zinskis have been around for almost a month. So how are they staying hydrated? Theoretically, we could make the argument that zombies are staying hydrated by absorbing water from all the blood they are drinking from the people they're eating. So we asked a few doctors whether you could stay hydrated by drinking blood. Ha! I have no idea, man. I have very little experience in with that question. Uh, I don't know. I guess I've never really thought about that. I don't even know who would be one to answer such a question. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Tom DeLore, our hematologist. My name is uh, Tom DeLore, and I'm a hematologist at the Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. A hematologist is someone who's a blood expert. So we asked Tom, can you survive on blood as your source of hydration, and are there any side effects? I think there's two issues with blood. One is... um, One people don't think about, but blood is very salty. Which is bad because if you drink salt water, you actually get more dehydrated. But the salt concentration is maybe like chicken noodle soup. So I think that would be okay. Great. The other issue people raise a lot is iron. That's a metal. Blood has red cells. It's very, very rich in iron. And so people would worry, boy, would you get overloaded? 
But it turns out your body's pretty smart. And so once you absorb enough iron, your body can actually turn off iron absorption. So I think my prediction is that somebody would be able to drink blood and live off of it. It's very protein rich. Uh, it's got sodium, all sorts of nutrients. So it seems like it's possible. Certainly, our ancestors ate a much more blood-enriched diet than we did, and you know there weren't people dropping right and left of iron overload. So I think one, one could exist on blood. So the answer is yes, you can drink blood to stay hydrated. Which means it's not inconceivable that Zinskis who attack people can stay hydrated by drinking the blood of their victims. It also means that without food and water, zombies, like humans, are out of luck. The best advice for surviving a zombie apocalypse is what Greg Moran said in Episode 3. When it's happening, you want to get out of large concentrations of people. What you probably want to do is get out of the city. You want to go to your cabin out in the woods, out in the country, lock the doors, and uh, try to wait it out. because uh, Eventually, the zombies would dry out. And drying out is what the kids are trying to avoid right now. Is there any more water? There is half a box between the three of us. I just need a little. Let's all take a sip. Here, Owen. All right, let's look at one last thing that zombies need to worry about, because humans need to worry about it. To stay alive, you need to be able to repair damage to yourself. Doesn't matter what kind of organism you are, whether you're a tree or a human being, living in reality means stuff can happen to you. Which brings us to why Cyril and Gina never made it to the kids. Crazy lady, what are you doing? So right around the time Miles was getting put into quarantine, Gina was running out into traffic. 8725 West Grimaldi, Culver City, and you stuck on it, buddy. No, no more ice today. You want to make a thousand bucks? Oh, fine. Show me the money. What? Look, this is all the cash that I have, okay? Okay, okay, okay. As we mentioned in episode two, the human body is constantly defending itself against pathogens like bacteria and viruses. That's our immune system. Why are we stuck? Come on, can you go any faster? I have to go slow. It's the red light. But the human body is also constantly fixing itself. When you get a cut, for example, a cascade of events occurs. First there's bleeding, and then there's clot formation. In come the platelets, in comes the fibrin. That stops the bleeding. And then, over time, you regenerate the cells that have been hurt. Or, at least, you produce new cells, called fibrous tissue, which seals up the hole permanently. Hurry up! It's a red light, okay? Ah. Look, look, red light. Cannot go, okay? Okay, green light, I go now. Hey, If you're in a car crash, you might break bones, rupture organs, or cut open your skin. But because your body's ability to heal is so remarkable, it can fix itself given enough time. Well, Mel, as an ER doctor, you must have seen some spectacular cases of healing, right? So one of the patients I remember who was as messed up as anybody that I know that has survived was, of course, a motorcycle accident, because it's always motorcycle accidents. And this gentleman had a high-speed accident on the freeway. And he broke his left femur, the big bone in the left leg. He dislocated his right hip. He had multiple injuries to his chest with about six or eight rib fractures. He had a broken wrist on the left side and he had a broken humerus on the right side. His neck was broken and his back was broken and he had bleeding in his brain. But despite all that, he actually left the hospital walking without a cane, which is amazing, which is incredible. Of course, he was in the hospital for three months. But still, the body's ability to heal, incredible, under the right circumstances. Wait, wait, that last part was important. Under the right circumstances. 
Problem is that when your body is damaged, especially if the skin has been broken, you are more vulnerable to pathogens that can infect you. So the right circumstances include not getting infected. And history provides endless examples of people getting hurt in the wrong circumstances and suffering bad outcomes. Why did so many soldiers in the American Civil War get their legs amputated? Because they got infected. And why did President Garfield die of a perfectly treatable gunshot wound in 1881? Because the doctors were sticking in their unclean hands into the wound over and over again. And his blood got infected. Infection, infection, infection. Say it with me, people. Infection, 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 infection. Wow. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Infection, infection, infection. Wow. Come on. It's only three of us. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then you guys do it. I'll do it. Watch out for infections. Infections can't get you. Infections and infections. What can doctors do? This is why when you get taken to the emergency department after a large injury to your body, the ER doctors make sure your body has time to heal in an environment that is free of pathogens. Gina was knocked unconscious and suffered a concussion and a head wound. Cyril cut his left arm and broke his ankle. So both Cyril and Gina's bodies needed repairing. But healing takes time, and they weren't well enough to walk out of the hospital before the evacuations began. And you don't even need a big injury to get an infection. Just a small cut or scrape can get infected. Anytime you hurt yourself, there's a chance of infection. Luckily, your body has a great way to remind you not to get hurt. It's called pain, and zombies aren't affected by it. Have you ever seen a zombie express pain? No. You can hit them with a shovel or chop off their arm, and they just keep coming. Now, you might think that's pretty cool either way. Who doesn't want to be impervious to pain? Impervious means not being affected by. If you're impervious to pain, you're not affected by pain. And this is actually another problem for zombies. The reason that we have pain is because it keeps us from doing things that damage our bodies. As Greg Moran points out, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you know it instantly and you pull your hand off the stove. But if you have nerve damage, which can happen if you're infected by a certain type of bacteria that causes leprosy or Hansen's disease, and you put your hand down on a hot stove, you're not gonna know that your hand is burning until you start to smell the burning flesh or something like that. And that's why people with leprosy tend to lose extremities and limbs because they keep getting injured over and over again. They don't realize it until it's too late. And over time, the tissue becomes damaged. Uh, they get infections. They get wounds that get infected. And this is exactly what would happen to a zombie that is impervious to pain, right? So imagine you're a zombie. You're hungry. You're angry. Hangry. You're looking for people to attack slash eat. Your knees are constantly bumping into things that are knee height, like rusty metal sharp pieces of wood, even glass. You're tripping, falling down. So you're banging up your knees and you're cutting up your hands and face, and then someone comes and hits you with a shovel or a car. And unlike someone who suffers from leprosy, you don't care if your arms and legs get messed up. As a zombie, you're injuring yourself way too much. So much that your body wouldn't be able to keep up, and eventually you'd die. Add to that getting infected by bacteria and parasites from all the dirty wounds you're creating, being a zombie is just not sustainable. But looking at the field of zombies in front of the kids, they don't know if they're dead or not. And if they are dead, they may still be contagious. So it's best for them to avoid any contact. Guys, we can't go around and we can't go through them. So we need a way to get over them, right? Right. It's a military base, so they must have helicopters. But they don't know we're here. 
and the nearest building is so far away, I doubt they could see us even if they were looking for us. If we could send messages with the hand crank radio, we could tell them to fly over and pick us up. Nadine, I'm assuming you packed military-grade walkie-talkies and signal flares? <laughs> I wish. If only we could send some sort of SOS. Owen, you're a genius! I know exactly what we can use. Are you talking about, like, real Morse code? As opposed to fake Morse code? It's in here somewhere. Am I the only one who doesn't know Morse code? Why are you looking at me like that? SOS is, like, the only Morse code you need to know. Found it! Mylar, and we need something to wrap it around. Wait, wait, let's go back to it's the only Morse code you really need to remember. You can make a Mylar mirror and use that. Can someone please tell me what SOS is in Morse code? It's short, 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 long, 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 short, short, short. Oh. But it's not going to work if we don't have something Use this. To... Oh. The first aid kit box. Elliot, you're brilliant. Finally. It's always Owen so brilliant. Who's going to start? Well, you know, anyone can do it. Morse code's easy. I will. Dot, dot, dot. Dash, 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 dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 dash, I think it's time for a musical number. If your code is to mean anything to others than the radio net, then you've got to send rhythmically. Got to send rhythmically. Rhythmically. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, someone else please take over. My hand is killing me. We've been at this for over an hour and nothing. We don't even know if anyone has seen us. Also, how do we know we're not just sending OSO, OSO, OSO? It doesn't matter. As long as it's in a string of O's and S's, they'll know. Look! No way! Okay, look human, everybody. So let's recap and go back to the question we asked in the beginning. Could zombies actually exist? First, let's start with the brain. The brain controls behavior. The aggressive, impulsive, angry, hungry behavior of zombies is only possible if very specific areas of the brain are broken. The brain also controls senses and actions. The complex actions that zombies do, like walking, grabbing, biting, and the senses they must have to do that, seeing, hearing, smelling, is only possible if large areas of the brain are working. And even though these areas do different things, they all look the same to a virus, which would just attack brain cells. So to get a virus, or any pathogen really, to turn a human into a zombie is highly, highly improbable. But even if it's possible, and we assume that it happens, whatever part of the brain is still functioning in a zombie, it's alive. And that requires the bodies of zombies to also be alive. And if zombies are alive, then biologically their bodies need what a living human body needs, which is food, water, protection from physical damage, protection from pathogens. Otherwise, the zombie will die. Which means 
If zombies eat raw meat, never bathe, and continuously injure themselves, their behavior is extremely unhealthy and most probably fatal to their bodies. Being a zombie then is not only highly improbable, it's also not survivable. They'd either run out of energy, no food, dry out, no water, or they'd hurt themselves to death, or a combination of all three. So a highly improbable pathogen in hosts that only last a month or so makes a widespread zombie apocalypse that lasts for years pretty much impossible. Nothing's impossible? Okay, so scientifically speaking, it's so highly improbable that it's a safe bet it could never happen. No, man, you're killing the idea, man. You're killing the whole idea of zombies, man. Yeah, that was the point of the episode. Not cool. Not cool. Well, come on. Real epidemics still happen. If that makes you feel any better. Not the same. As we pointed out in episode three, in any epidemic, the government would be super crazy about stopping new infections. They want to make sure there isn't another outbreak. So if they're going to pick up three kids that are surrounded by infected bodies, they're going to take heavy precautions to make sure they're not bringing back infected people to the base. So will they make it back to the base? Will they make it to safety? We'll find out next time on Shabam. Shabam is produced by CeCe Herbert. Stay where you are. Do not approach the chopper. Recording engineer is mixmaster Bill Connor. We will come to you. We've heard that before. Your hosts, Mel Herbert, Josh Kurz, and Wendy Roderweiss also created the show. Why are they wearing plastic suits? We're not infected. Are you infected? No! Our voice actors are Steve Santucci, Rose Sengenberger, Chase Zawalinski, Jess Thigpen, Sean Paris, Summer Austin, Andrew Gallant, Maria Mateos, Tim Tui, Dave Mason, Jess Mason, and Art Kimbra. Everything's going to be fine. When we get to the base, we'll have a doctor make sure you're not infected. Special thanks to Professor Tim Versteinen, Dr. Greg Moran, Dr. Tom Delory, Dr. Mizuho Spengler, Dr. Jess Mason, Dr. Vanessa Cardi, and Dr. Rob Orman. We need to find our parents. Gina and Cyril Walker? Or Miles Prescott? Someone will be able to help you once we get to the base. They'll find your parents. Also featuring the musical stylings of Matt Eccles and St. Cecilia. We're not infected! Shabam is a production of Fuliboo Incorporated. Everything's going to be fine. This episode of Shabam is sponsored in part by the making and science team of Google. And why is that? Say, say. Because Google loves science. Here's a zombie tip. They need water and they don't know how to drink. So you just need to wait it out for a few weeks, a month max, and then they're gonna die by themselves. No need to get in there with the hand-to-hand combat or the machete and get juicy zombie goop all over you, you know? Okay, you already know about supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spam. Right. You already know about subscribing on iTunes, yeah. reviewing, and liking. Yeah. And you already know about our website, shabamshow.com, right. where you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and find out more about the episodes of the show. Okay. But did you know you can also call us? What? 954-998-3752. No. No? Yeah. Well, you can. You can? Have at it. Okay. 954-998-3752. Have you gotten any calls yet? You know... I gotta say, you know, speaking as a filmmaker who is in the middle of writing, you know, a bunch of zombie movie scripts based on derivative, cliched Hollywood movie tropes, this uh, information uh, that you've shared in this episode means that in order for me to create a more scientifically accurate zombie story, I'm gonna have to come up with a more original idea, which is, uh, you know, hard, and also takes creativity, which takes time. So, you know, not cool, Shabam, not cool. Okay? 
Stop telling people these things. I don't want to know about scientifically accurate, and you know what? Forget it. Shabam! Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.